What pairs well with a perfectly roasted turkey, mashed potatoes, and cranberry in a can? We're not talking about wine. We're talking about Teak's Black Friday sale. If you've been holding off on investing in one of our signature programs, communication templates, or one of our juicy masterclasses, you are not going to want to miss this sale. We've made it easy for you. All the sale items have been consolidated into one sales page for easy shopping. We have never discounted seven-figure sales or our Agency Expansion Academy. And this is your chance to get 20% off of the courses that can genuinely change your business. If you've been wanting to streamline your systems before 2024, our communication templates are where you are going to want to start. In response to the biggest request we've ever heard, we have recently launched a non-Travel Joy generic CRM version as well as an updated Travel Joy version. So you can convert these templates into any CRM or platform. As for our masterclasses, they are going away forever. If you are looking to implement boundaries, up your proposal game, get a roadmap for maximizing FAMs, or you're just starting your career and want to know what to do next, these masterclasses are for you. Lastly, our destination masterclasses are being retired too. Snag 20% off our popular Italy 1.0 or 2.0 masterclass or get knowledgeable on the Cycladic Islands and top African destinations. Don't forget to use code BLACKFRIDAY to get 20% off. Skip the doorbusters, the long lines, and invest in yourself, your future, and your business with the Teak Black Friday sale from November 20th through 27th. The link is in the show notes. Today, we are talking about one of our favorite topics, branding. We happen to be a little biased because obviously brand identity and speaking to your target audience is at the core of what Teak does. We've brought in our creative director, Amanda Lynn Webb, to share her insight on when it's time to start thinking about freshening up your brand. To kick this off, let's start off with talking about how if your brand is currently attracting your ideal client, right? Because that's like really the first place you'd want to start when evaluating like is a refresh in order, is a rebrand in order, and all of that. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teak. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. Thank you guys for having me. And you're 100% right. That's definitely like where we need to start thinking about that and really evaluating whether a rebrand or refresh is right for you. One of the ways that you know that it's that time in your business is you know, if your target audience has evolved. And I think it's inevitable, no matter what your business is, that at some point that audience will evolve. And, you know, if you were marketing to millennials, for example, when you started your business 10 years ago, you're not going to be able to market to them in the same way because those people are going to be in a different phase of their life now, you know, 10 years down the road. So back in the day, maybe, you know, you were marketing to them like right out of college when they first got their adult job and like had money to spend on travel. But now those same people are married or getting married, they're having kids. So their preferences, the types of travel that they're doing and the way that they travel is inevitably going to be different now. And you know, if your branding isn't evolving along as your target audience is evolving along, then it's most likely not going to connect the visual branding, the messaging, And maybe that's okay with you. Maybe you're only interested in serving honeymooners, for example. But if you're not willing to like nurture those clients, that audience and like bring them along long term, then you're going to have to switch your marketing mindset to constantly bringing in new clients. So I think it's all about like personal preference there. How do you know to begin with if you were speaking to your target audience? I know that sounds so so like elementary, but like, how do you know if you ever were actually speaking to them in the beginning? That's a really great question. I think first and foremost, do people care about what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Do you even have an audience? Like, are <laughs> people responding to what you're putting out on social? Are you 
having lots of new leads come your way. I think that's a really great way to know if you even had a target audience or knew who you were speaking to in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Booked and busy. I love that. And I think people, it was always so interesting when I was in the branding weeds, it was like this weird dance where, you know, we do a lot of pre-work when we do branding with clients. It's not just like, what do you like? Oh, you like the color green? Here's a logo. Like, (laughs) There's a lot of stuff that goes into it with like our questionnaire and all like the pre-project stuff that we do. And as it relates to your target audience. And I think so many people will get like very hung up on branding when they're considering, is this concept, right? Like tweaks and stuff like that, because they like think about themselves and they don't always think about the target audience, but like a really good brand. I always say you want to dance the dance, right? Like you have to like your brand. Like you can't have a brand that's like super sterile and like luxury or whatever and be a super bubbly person. Cause that's like, that doesn't fit. But at the same time, like it's not all of about your personal preferences when you're designing an intentional brand for your business. So I think a lot of people like sitting down and getting clear on your target audience is difficult and doing the research to be like, are these people who are following me on Instagram, submitting my inquiry form, reaching out to me to book their trip? Are they who I want to be working with? If they're not like, what about my brand is calling to them? I think that's 1000%. And I couldn't have said that better myself. It really is. Your brand should be a marriage between what you like. I mean, obviously, you're not going to want to show up for your business if you just hate your branding and nothing about it resonates or connects with you. But by the same token, it has to be a marriage between what you like, what you gravitate towards, what you're going to be excited to show up and promote and what your target audience cares about. I was just going to say, it has to feel authentic, but it doesn't have to be what you would personally book. I exactly. might not be in the season of life where I'm only booking Amon properties and Grand Hotel Tremezzo and all of these like upper echelon, only five-star kind of lux of the lux. But you could have a brand that's very formal in selling that, or you could have one that's a little bit more approachable, but speaks to someone that just really wants this very elevated, beautiful experience in a more conversational tone. And that would be more authentic to me. So you can sell the same thing, but in a different way. And I just feel like it has to feel like putting on a shoe that fits, but it doesn't necessarily, this is a terrible analogy, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the same pair that someone would pick out. I don't know if if that even makes sense, but (laughs) Robin's getting really... (laughs) She's like, get out of my closet. No, 100%. I think people need to realize that that's okay. The preferences of your target audience don't necessarily have to be your preferences as an individual. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. 100%. Well, it kind of leads us to the next point. So first of all, your target audience, (laughs) your target audience, you're not targeting your target audience, like rule number one, time to look into a refresh. But number two is if your services change, like a lot of people, they start off booking travel. If they're like me and Jen, we were not charging fees and we were booking everything because we weren't sure what we wanted to book. So it kind of took this like evolution of our own personal preferences in business and what we wanted to like figure out like, Hey, this is my niche. Like this is my specialty. So as you kind of develop those services and that specialty in the travel industry, that might be a shift. Like maybe you this year really got into European FIT travel, but everything you had just screamed like these tropical sun and sand destinations and stuff like that. That's definitely a time to shift because of course, as as the brand and like the the types of travel you book evolve, you want your brand to kind of evolve with it. I was about to say, like, I book European FIT, so everything I do has to scream Italy with olive leaves and Merlot colors and stuff like that. That's not what that means. I don't think that's necessary to be like, oh, like, you clearly book (laughs) Italy because you have an olive branch. Almost like literal translation of a niche. I think that that's where we see the like tropical logos and the palm trees and things like this. And it it really like pigeonholes you. And we are all about niching down. Like, I don't want that to get confused because I think that's really easy to, to get confused in our messaging is we're like niche down hard. And then we're like, but don't. But we are saying, yes, definitely niche down, but your brand doesn't have to be as literal. And I think that's where yeah. you were going with it. Yeah. Because like heaven forbid, it's like, well, right now I'm just doing Italy, but 
I want to expand to Europe. So it's like, I also do Greece. I also do, you know, Germany. I also do this. You want something that's going to lead them in the direction without, yeah, being like, I exclusive, unless you do exclusively book. Italy, yeah. Which and is there's nothing fine. wrong with that. Yeah. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. But like, I don't know if you have a tropical fish and coral as your little like brand icon, like probably not going to lead people to believe that you're booking vacations to France. I think you mentioned it in the first point where we were talking about like, is it speaking to your target audience? And there's some parallels here where if your services have changed. So for example, maybe someone did start out and their marketing and their messaging was all about honeymoons, but now they want to grow with that audience and their audience is now going into the baby moon phase or the 10 year anniversary phase. And so they're like, actually, I want to keep my niche, but I want to be able to grow with my audience in their season of life because also I'm getting into that season of life. So it's becoming more authentic to me because I've also grown past that initial honeymoon stage. And now my services have changed. So I'm not so-and-so honeymoons. Now I'm something a little bit more generic that speaks to a romance travel and conflicts in different directions. And I think that's where a lot of people start to see a need to rebrand is like, one, my audience was maybe younger at the time that I launched my business. So it's got a little bit more of this, not necessarily luxury, but more approachable feel to it. And now I want to graduate my audience as they grow their income, grow in their season of life. And I want to elevate my brand and I want to make it very clear in my imagery and my messaging that I'm a long-term service provider for them as they evolve in their lifestyle. This is why I'm such a fan of like the less is more approach to branding. Simple without like too much of those trendy aspects, that's going to give you a logo that kind of like withstands the test of time. Of course, like you're always going to need to eventually update because things get better. But similar to what Teak is now, it's kind of like we can rebrand without having to like change our entire logo suite and like ditch a a weird emblem and like kind of make it feel like an updated brand without having to do so much. So I think I think that just like you said, like, yeah, your business is going to evolve. So you always want like a brand that'll evolve with it to an extent. Like it's not going to What's talking to a 20 year old now is not going to talk to a 60 year old down the line, but you want something that's going to, you know, kind of extend the life. And I think that's where Amanda does a really good job at making these customizations to logos without it being like power packed with like icon here, (laughs) emblem here. Like, you know what I mean? Like all those like bright and shiny things that can sometimes just like get lost over time. So I have something to add on this because there's been an uptick in a trend that we're seeing. And it's that anchor brands are now having these sub brands and these different names. And it's not necessarily a different person servicing this sale, but it's a different branch of the business. And it's like, okay, this one brand that started out doing cruises and sun and sand is now they want to launch their luxury arm. And then they also want to have an events arm. So can we like open that up a little bit? Because to me, it can cause either clarity or confusion. And I'd like to peel back both of those things. Like what are the potential risks and rewards of that model? Because to me, I'm like, I would rather have one concept and have different pages on my website with different inquiry forms that feeds to a different workflow. And they're getting different messaging and imagery that aligns with what they're interested in rather than having these completely different brand identities, which is like, wait, what company are you working with? So Amanda Lynn, this has been an uptick for you. So I'm going to lob it over to you for your thoughts. And I'm not necessarily looking for you to take like a polarizing stance, but just kind of talk us through what you think of this on either side of the fence. No, that's a really great point. And it's definitely something that I've seen a lot more of over the past year or so. And I mean, I think it really comes down to personal preference. I could see it being a good thing if somebody does have one of those brands that is very specific to a type of travel or a destination. And they're they're really attached to the branding that goes along with it. They're attached to everything that has to do with that. Like, so I know we had used one of these before, but like, say you're selling honeymoon travel and you're like, just really, really attached to everything with that brand. So it might not make sense for you to 
introduce this other type of travel under that same umbrella. If that's the case, like I totally don't see a problem with that. I do think that if you're going to have these like different arms, they can look similar, but I think there needs to be something to differentiate each of them. So you do know who exactly Mm -hmm. you're working with or what company you're working with. Cause I know you said it can be a little confusing, like, okay, who am I working with? What, who's servicing me? I think there does need to be some sort of differentiating factor, but I mean, a lot of brands do it well where they have different arms to a business and they're all, you know, there's a thread that weaves between all of them so that you can still recognize that they're all part of the same, like greater collective, but they have their own personalities and their own distinctive features that set them apart. For travel advisors, I go back and forth. I could see it being beneficial if you're really looking to get into like the event space, like the destination weddings. That feels like, I don't know, destination weddings and like travel events feel very different to me than travel for some reason. So I could see that being a benefit. However, I think brands are difficult to maintain. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they come with maintenance. So you need to understand that you need to be able to maintain and stay true to each of the different brands. And I think sometimes it's hard to stay true to one brand. You know what I mean? And then like, how are you going to do social media? (laughs) Are you going to have to? I completely agree. I think it comes down to like what you're willing to take on you or your team, like however your business is structured. What do you have the capacity for? Right. Me personally, as an individual, I think it would be exhausting to try to maintain like four different brands like that. Like you said, like that's a lot. But for some people, especially if you do have like a dedicated team to help you with that stuff, maybe that's not an issue. Yeah, exactly. I always think back to, so for an internal example, we have Teak and we were like, well, we're going to launch a totally new brand and it'll be niche and it'll be our community. And so for a while they stood on their own and it's like, God, this is very difficult to maintain like Mm -hmm. social media over here, social media over there. Like this one has a different brand kit. Eventually we just rolled in underneath and now niche has a logo. And so it's all under Teak and niche just has a different logo that looks identical to Teak's logo, but it says the word niche. So it was, that was way easier for us. And we have a team and we had a person managing social media. So it was just really hard for us to kind of keep up with it, which is why I think with travel advisors having so much on their plate as is, I think it can get very muddied very quickly. If you try to like every branch is like a different, this is my Greece branch. This is my, you know, Caribbean branch. Like that's going to get chaotic in a hurry, I think. And so why work harder and not smarter, you know, like why not just do maybe like a soft sub brand with maybe a, like a subtly different logo or a sub mark or something that's like Caribbean. Yeah. I like the icon. I like that too. Yeah. I like the icon concept because that can be like on the page. But to me, I'm like, okay, you're going to maintain a website domain, email address. Because if I'm going to communicate to someone under one brand, I want my email address to look like that. I don't want them to have the other brand. Otherwise, I'm like, who am I communicating with? If This is at XYZ Honeymoons, but I'm actually booking under their romance division. So this should be romance or like I'm booking my wedding. So this should be the weddings. And it's like, so you're, are you going to have a different email for everyone? Are you going to have a different social, a different website? And then all these different workflows. It's like, whew, it is a lot. I feel like making small enhancements rather than different branches and brands is a much more manageable approach when we're talking about an industry where the majority of advisors don't have a team necessarily. If they do, they're paying hourly to outsource social and it adds up super quickly. And most advisors that we talk to don't have the bandwidth to do the social that they want to do anyway. So why are you going to complicate it and put more pressure on yourself? And I think I would challenge people that are thinking about this, like, is this necessary or is there another way where I could actually streamline the brand name and simplify my entire life? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what it comes down to. And I mean, that's definitely the more simple option and it's definitely the more economical option as well. And I mean, I, especially if you're just starting your business, you want to keep costs as low as possible, in my opinion, like why add so many more subscriptions? Because I mean, it does, it costs a lot to maintain a brand also and And websites and all of those things. And I think if you're in the, where you're like, I I can't possibly fuse these two ideas together. There's no way. I think that's time to work with like, maybe like a copywriter to work on your messaging, because I think 
messaging can really marry things together really well too. And we had that whole episode with Emily of Bon Vivant Travel about copywriters and stuff like that. So maybe you don't need a whole new brand. Maybe it's not the visual. Maybe it's just the messaging needs to be adjusted. But my take would be pages with different inquiry forms, different workflows, different verbiage. And then it feels like it's like a different branch, but it's still internal. You're not sending people to five different websites where it's like, oh, well, you want this? This is the website. And it's like all one website, all easy to navigate. I think that would give like the best results for anyone who's kind of like, do I do this? Do I not? I agree. One thing that is also really important, and I'll lob this back over to Amanda Lynn, but is about outdated brands. And I'm coming from the space where everyone knows if you've even heard one episode of the podcast, you know that I got my logo on Fiverr. I had a rainbow watercolor map that I got off of, I don't even know what kind of, <laughs> it you know, it worked. It was fine. Just a $500 website, got my logo for 50 bucks, got the watercolor map included, picked out some pictures on some royalty-free websites, and we were in business quite literally. <laughs> but with that being said, it aged. And then the team grew and then everyone else was using this logo that no longer felt modern. It didn't. It definitely didn't feel chic. It was appealing to, I would say, kind of like what we were talking about before, like the younger version of me, it was no longer evolving with the audience and it didn't apply to everyone on the team. And it it really did date. So Amanda Lynn, how do you know if a brand is outdated? And to me, I'm like, what does that even mean in the space? Like, are things on trend? Like, how do you identify a trend before it happens if you want to pick something classic? I think of like marble countertops in the kitchen. I'm like, I don't want to buy anything that's going to date in 10 years and I don't have good resale value on the house. So how do you avoid that? Or how how do you identify that in the branding space? No, that's a really great question. And there are definitely things, color schemes, fonts, website designs, imagery, whatever, that are going to instantly date your branding. Again, that's especially true if you opt for something really trendy when you're developing your brand or rebranding or whatever you're doing with your brand. I think a good way to be abreast of that and know that it is uh, just like a trendy thing, it comes on the scene all of a sudden. Everybody is raving about it. You see it everywhere. I mean, I know this isn't a travel example, but think about clothing. Just low rise jeans. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of like a specific example. You want it to be relevant. You want your brand to sometimes trendy is fun, you know, like you yeah, play into course. it a little bit, but like, don't play into it with your logo. I would say like, don't no, play into 100%. it with your, you know, like play into it with an accent font. <laughs> I was going to say, or an accent color, like a CTA button, like throw it in for a CTA button because you can easily switch that, but like create a foundational set of hex codes that could be transitioned to, I'm like always, I mean, I I have nothing of an accent font in my life. I'm like, oh, can I decorate with more beige? But that's how I keep it non-trendy. I actually anticipate and try to be as least trendy as possible because I'm like, again, branding takes maintenance and that is expensive to undo something that is trendy and redo something with a new trend or to just like be like, heck with it. I'll stick with something that's not trendy from here on out. But I think it's like kind of a lesson learned thing that you do something trendy and you realize, oh, I didn't I didn't mean to go down that path necessarily. So like, what are the trends we're looking at now with fonts and colors and things like that? If you were to identify like the current age of trends, and I feel like this is a little bit like, I hope that anyone listening to this, like none of this is negative. Like these are all choices. If you choose to have different branches of your business, that's a choice. If you choose to have a trendy brand, that's a choice. That's not a negative thing. We're talking about the pros and cons here so you can make the best choice for you. But if you were to try and identify, because I think I know it's quote unquote on trend right now, but what would you say is the most consistently on trend that y'all are seeing? There's a new partnership in town. It's as magical as sunsets and catamaran cruises, turndown service and champagne, patience and clear communication from a client. <laughs> Let us tell you about Solstice Collective. Teak is no longer in the website game and Solstice Collective is the perfect match to our branding services. Solstice Collective is a website and social media firm that has roots in the travel industry. 
so they get it. If you're looking to showcase your beautiful brand on a new website or through well-executed social media strategies, check out Solstice Collective. They offer a seamless experience with an efficient turnaround time so you can start marketing your travel services sooner than later. To get $250 off of your initial service commitment, head on over to the link in the show notes for the Teak and Solstice Collective special offer. I just want to delete back really quick on what you said about keeping everything beige, keeping everything <laughs> like like neutral and then like having an accent color. I think if you want to see an example of somebody that like does this well, look at luxury brands. Like yeah, they're going to play with color sometimes. They're going to play with trendy aspects with their collections. Yeah, those guys are never changing their logos, though. I mean, they do eventually over time. Again, everybody's going to rebrand and refresh their brand at some point, but they're not overhauling every single aspect of their brand every season. Have you guys like, ever I, seen I, the creative page for Starbucks? It's cool. I think I've definitely sent it to you in the past, but it's like creative.starbucks.com and it's their brand guide on a website. And they have their certain logos, obviously. You know, everyone knows the Starbucks logo. They have their brand colors. Then they have expressive colors. So they have spring, summer, nitro, and fall. And it's like these those different... Because right now, you know, it's holiday cup. So like red is really big for them. It's their holiday colors. So it's like... That's cool. I mean, no one- and it's like this one blue, red, and it's always with the lighter green and the dark green. It's like the trio. They always put it together with the trio and they do a lighter green than they normally do in the green duo. So they have that like true Kelly green and then the hunter green. But then during Christmas, they do like a almost like a minty green with it. And then they do that true red as well. Like they play with color pops yeah. in a way where you're like, this is so clearly Starbucks. Like I'm never going to look at this cup, this pretty cup and be like, what is this? Duncan? Like it's always yeah. very evidently <laughs> Starbucks, but there's like a little pop to it. And I think that's so fun. I don't know how you would necessarily like involve that into your branding if that is like, because who's... it's like my summer brand is launching now. Like <laughs> no one needs to be doing that. That's crazy. But just knowing that you do have like the autonomy, I think, to play with like some brighter, more fun colors in the summer if people are booking more Caribbean stays versus like a, I don't know, like a more holiday. I think people get so, I can only use these colors. And it's like, no, you can use colors. Like just maybe don't use like, you know, bright fuchsia if your brand kit is totally something different, like blacks and, or use it, I guess. I don't really know because <laughs> it depends on the brand. I don't know. I think it's really fun. But yeah, if you guys ever want to take a cool little peek at Starbucks, it's creative.starbucks.com. Okay. So to your question of what I think is trendy right now, Mm -hmm. one thing that I have seen, and I don't know, I think our clients get it. I think that we have like nurtured our audience so well and the people that we are attracting into the teak sphere just get us and get what we do at this point. But just trends that I'm seeing in the design world in general, big uptick in like crazy display fonts. I don't know, ones that are hard to read, ones that look a little retro. And like, that's really cool. Like you see a lot of packaging and stuff and it looks cool and fun for right now. But in two years, I'm going to be like, oh, that's so 2023. I also think, you know, this like gradient color background. Yes, I was gonna, I was hoping you were gonna say that. (laughs) Those things, I feel like they're kind of already on their way out. I feel like last year was probably like peak for them. That's another thing that I'm just like, eh. But yeah, kind of that like retro vibe, trying to bring back like retro fonts and stuff, the gradients. There's like this one cursive font that is like half cursive. It's like that I keep on seeing and it's an italic cursive font that I keep seeing in branding. Also big, bold editorial, like black and white with the mix of the same font with then the italic with it. And we just, we transitioned away from this. And I think it's because, and Robin, you can speak to this if I'm incorrect, but it's because it came on so strong in so many other places that it was like, how do you even know whose Instagram you're looking at? If your entire feed is this same kind of style, it's just like that very editorial, slightly moody with just like all caps and then an italic in the same serif font. So I think that's something very identifiably 
on trend right now too. And I actually love the look of it. Not even talking smack about it. Like I, I love the look of it. I think it looks so clean and elevated and chic. But I do think that that's kind of the trend right now too, is for everything to be elevated and chic. You just raised such a great point as well. Not only if you're going trendy, not only do you run the risk of, you know, next year, everybody's going to be like, "Eh, that looks really dated. Second point right now, if you're adopting, you know, trendy things right this second, how's anybody going to like differentiate you? You want to stand out. You don't have to have like crazy neon colors and like some funky font that nobody's seen before, but like you do want to separate yourself from the crowd. You do want to carve out your own corner of the internet or wherever your brand is appearing. Well, and you want in a scroll, even if someone doesn't see the content, even if they're seeing like that Starbucks green and they scroll past it, you know that you just passed a Starbucks ad. You know what I mean? Like you want that kind of brand recognition that you want to create the memory. Yeah. I think that is like the ultimate brand recognition right there. Like that's how you know you have made it is if I am scrolling on Instagram and I see a post and before I even look, I already know who posted it. And they don't even have to have their logo or anything like splattered all over it for me to know. It's just evident from the way it's written to the imagery that they choose to like the colors. It's just, I know. And like, that's true, like brand recognition success in my book. Who's that for you? Um, well, I, <laughs> I guess I would say these guys are partly responsible for the retro slash editorial trend. They definitely hopped on that hard, but Vacation Inc., the sunscreen brand. I don't know. This is okay. They're actually really cool. They just decided they were going to make the best sunscreen in the world. And their marketing is hilarious. I don't know who their copywriter is, but they deserve a raise. Like it's kitschy. It's funny. They pretend it's like, corporate from like the (laughs) eighties. They post all these like retro like eighties like photos of like people on the beach and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. It's just like their vibe and you see it, you automatically know who it is. They do have amazing sunscreen also. I will say that in their defense. It's expensive, but I think you're paying partly for like the kitschiness of it, but it is good sunscreen. I mean this is also funny. Their tagline is leisure enhancing sunscreen. I love that. They even had a thing where you could become an honorary employee and like you get business cards. I did it. It was only for a long time. I'm the chairman of their leisure council. So, <laughs> wow, that is so big for brands like ambassadors. Like, oh, yeah. And people are obsessed. And yeah. why not? It's fun. Like, of course, everybody wants oh to do that. Oh, my gosh. That. Think about a travel agent having leisure ambassadors for their brands, like yeah. part of your referral program. Like, that's what you, that is cool. It is. It's freaking that cool. That is cool. Like, I think they, their original product was a, luxury sunscreen or a luxury perfume rather that smelled like sunscreen that was their first product and it's just like gone from there their instagram is really funny to me it is really funny they've done an amazing job with what they've built oh that is a good one mine was way more lame than this one but (laughs) we do have a couple clients i will say Ryan of Corrigan Travel. Oh, yeah. She, her green, I can't see it and not think of her. So, like, yeah. there are people 100%. who are like, they rock that color. They like embody it and it just makes sense. And I, I love that. I think another one that I'm like, I instantly know who it is is Jenna Kutcher. She has her, like, her orange and the pink and the yellow. Like, she has like the same tones with everything. I think that goes again, like a lot of people put so much emphasis on your logo and it's like, very rarely am I like looking for a logo. Like, you know what I mean? It'll help me be like, oh, that's who it is. Like to get the brand recognition started. But most often the things that will jump out to me are fonts, colors, and any sort of visual stuff. So I think that like kind of takes the pressure off branding a little bit, but like you need to really come into it with like the whole the whole case. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of pieces that work together. You yeah. shouldn't put too much emphasis on just the imagery or just the logo or just your colors. Everything has to, it's a team effort. Everything has to work together. Yeah. And then be consistent, consistently using it and not jumping from the retro trend to the high end luxury editorial trend to the whimsical, whatever trend. Like you need to kind of identify what's best for your business and then stay in your lane for a Yeah, pick a lane, 100%. I think photographers do 
this very well, the like brand recognition, because they're always using the same, they're like people go to them for the look of the photos. I have a friend, Sydney, who I think I mentioned her on the podcast before, but she, every time I see her come up in my feed before I even see what account it is, I'm like, I know that's Sydney because her photography is so consistent and she'll dabble between film and like keeping her shutter open a little bit. But there are these beautiful pictures that are always incredibly chic. And so her audience is always like, they're always the most fabulous people I've ever seen because she's got this incredibly consistent branding that is perfectly attracting the target audience that she wants to photograph. It's almost like, are you attracting the target audience that you would share their itinerary every time? Like think of your social media as your portfolio. And you I don't mean this literally, you're not sharing your, you know, the itinerary every time, but like, would you be proud to share your por- portfolio on your website? And if it feels inconsistent and all over the place, to me, that's also an indicator that maybe your brand identity is slightly inconsistent. Because if I'm doing this economical sun and sand trip or like a nice cruise vacation, and then I'm doing this very elevated, almost ultra luxury FIT, you know, around the world, like those are somewhat inconsistent with each other. So like how consistent are you being if your marketing is bringing in those different types of clients? I think that imagining your portfolio as an Instagram grid could almost like shed some light on that perspective a little bit. I actually really like that. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, my background in design and stuff, I mean, before I joined the Teak team. I mean, literally my Instagram grid was my portfolio. Like that is how I was like, you know, attracting more people. So that's like a really great example of like thinking about it like that. I love that. That brings me to brand consistency, which Robin, you just talked about the Starbucks brand guide that they have on their website. To me, I found it incredibly hard to maintain consistency just because branding isn't my normal like go-to in my brain. It's just, I knew what I liked. I knew what brand identity we ended up with with Exploratour. I could identify the colors and things like that when I saw them in a group, but it was very easy for me to start to deviate over time. And I think this happens with like social media posts too. Like people stop looking at what section of the grid they liked and then they like just keep on going because it's kind of reactive and you're just trying to keep momentum. And before you know it, like one section of your grid or one piece of your business, I, I don't like to use social media because if it's, if social media doesn't work for your audience, please don't use it that way. But I'm using this as a kind of an example. I think it's easy to deviate from that brand over time if you aren't checking yourself consistently and holding yourself to those guidelines. Robin, you've created a brand guide specifically for our business. How did you go about doing that? Yeah. So we have a little brand Bible. It's in our Google Drive. The team has access to it. But basically, anytime we introduce like new fonts or new colors, anything like that, it's put into the brand Bible so that the team knows. Everyone's kind of going to be touching a the part like a part of the brand at some point, whether they're making a social media graphic for someone random or you know, they're on our active campaign account making an email blast. Ashlyn's a niche creating an event or something like, and again, it's not just the logos and the colors, it's our imagery, it's the stock images that we're pulling. It's all of this like vibe stuff that's going into the brand. So I just wanted it clear and out of my head because for me, it was very easy to see the brand, to know the brand, to understand the brand. But when you have a team who's working with the brand as well, it's like a lot less obvious to somebody like, sure, the website, like I'm using Roboto. Can't you see that like in our social media graphics that also needs to be Roboto? But there's like a million different ways to use these elements. Like there, it has to be uppercase. It has to have a certain spacing and kerning to it. And like, if it's not being used properly, it's not creating brain consistency. So we do this for our clients. Like they get like a little like brand breakdown or brand brief or something like that at the end of projects to kind of be like, this is your new brand so that people know how to use it. Because I think you're investing money, you're investing time, you're creating something you love. And then it's not always second nature to business owners on how to use it properly. The eye picks up on nuances and changes. So if you have part of your, I'm going to use an email marketing campaign as an example for this. Because Robin, she she knows the brand so well at this point that like she can tell exactly what fonts are being 
use. I like when it comes to body fonts, I very rarely see a difference because I'm just looking at the content. Like I'm a content consumer, not an aesthetics consumer as much. And so I think you're not always one and you're not always the other. You, you might be in the middle, but she sees the difference in the fonts so easily. To me, it was so important to like highlight and specifically look at what font is being used because someone else is going to pick up on that inconsistency. And whether you realize it or not, inconsistency translates to disorganization, which translates to lacking trust. So all of these things are so subconscious. It's not even a literal, it's not like someone's like, wow, they use the wrong fonts. I don't trust them anymore with my travel. Like that's such an extreme jump, but it's these subliminal messages that you're giving in your inconsistencies that build up. And that is why brands are iconic is because they never deviate. And there's never someone that's not applying the right spacing or picking an image that's in the wrong filter of colors. If you see a brand that has a very strong brand identity, it's always going to be filtered in the same way. If they use font overlay, it's always going to be spaced the same way. They're not going to mix the caps. And I recently, for my dad's business, was working with a website company and they just could not wrap their head around brand consistency. And I'm like, I don't know how anyone working in marketing cannot see what I can see to the naked eye, but like you need to change the kerning. And why is that font in all caps there and then in mixed caps there? Like it felt messy and it it created honestly like a sense of anxiety while I was consuming the website. And that's not what you want your clients to feel. It makes me laugh. I think what you said is so spot on. Like when I see that, I just think messy. I mean, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily like running your business in a messy way or anything like that. You might be the most organized person and make the most amazing itineraries and just treat your clients like the best ever. But like subconsciously, that registers as messy and disorganized. It 100% does. And it's always funny when we do like any sort of like branding training or anything in, in like the niche community and like people afterwards will be like, oh my gosh, like I can't even use the different fonts now. Like it's so crazy. And then you're going to pick up on it with everything. It's like once you see like, so <laughs> my friend Heather, she always sees the word peak spelled incorrectly. <laughs> and she always correctly and instantly think of her. She will find it everywhere, screenshot it, circle it and send it to me because like there was a season where I was just using it incorrectly all the time. And she's like, it is my responsibility to share that the world one overuses the phrase sneak peek and two (laughs) always spells it incorrectly and is spelling it like peak of a mountain. So It's just funny because that's a perfect example that once you see it, you can't unsee it. And I think that's very much with branding. And now when I see someone's spacing in a newsletter or they didn't take the time to like put in their fonts and they just used a template of something like that, I'm like, what? Why? That took three seconds. And if you don't think it's important, I promise you it is because every touch with your clients is reiterating brand and consistency equals trust. That's what it literally, that's like the definition of it, right? Yeah. Bottom line, 100%. And it's so true. Yeah. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Working in this industry and being a designer, like as long as I have, I feel bad, but like I instantly am like analyzing every brand that I come across, not just in travel, but even in the grocery store. And I'm like, oh, if I see something wrong, oh, guys, who let this one slip? I think of that all the time. Like, who was in charge of this marketing? Like, this is clearly <laughs> a big company. And what are they doing? Like, they they just went on Fiverr like I did. Okay, so we're going to, like, bring this full circle. And at the beginning of the podcast, Amanda Lynn, I asked you, how do you know if you are even speaking to your target audience? We said, like, maybe your target audience has evolved. And you were like, essentially, the point is, is your target audience engaging with you? So... Let's finish this up and talk about if your brand is just simply not getting engagement. Yeah. So I think, you know, if every time you post something online, it's just kind of falling on deaf ears, that's obviously a sign. Like maybe nobody's commenting or liking on the posts that you put out. And also if your audience isn't growing, I think that's a really telltale sign that, you know, there's 
a lack of engagement there. And I think first and foremost, you want to think about like what you're actually putting out into the world. And maybe your content just isn't great. You know, maybe you're putting iPhone photos up. There's no consistency to them. They're out of focus, like whatever. Maybe your posts aren't well written. And I know that sounds kind of harsh, but I think it's really important. Again, like we talked about, to put yourself in the shoes of who you want to serve. And if you were the type of client that you want to serve, is the branding that you're using, is the type of content you're putting out into the world interesting, entertaining, educational? And if it's not, then I think it's time to rethink. Yeah. I I mean, what you said, (laughs) I don't want to say is harsh, but I, I think it's truthful. We like to say clear is kind that we got from one time a client said that we just really loved it. And that messaging is very clear. And I think it's very kind because it's helping someone rebuild if they're not speaking to their target audience. So if your target audience isn't on social media, maybe that's also a sign that one, you're spinning your wheels in the wrong direction. If you're not getting engagement because simply your target audience isn't present in the space you're marketing, that's something to look at too. So maybe your branding is spot on. Maybe you're barking up the wrong tree. So I think that's something to consider before you just like, you're like, oh, my branding isn't even speaking to the right audience. Maybe you're not speaking in the right places. But if you are in the right places, you know that your target audience is scrolling on Instagram at 8 a.m. because they're sitting in the car line waiting to drop off their kids and you're still not getting hits because you're still, you're like posting at that prime time, then what can you change in your branding? And that could be brand voice. It could be messaging. We've talked a lot about imagery and the aesthetics of a brand, but we also talked about the, what was the sunscreen company called? Vacation Inc. A lot of their brand is wrapped up in their captions and the content that they're sharing, right? Like a lot of it's the feel, the overall feel that they're putting out there with the verbiage and everything like that. So are you entertaining your audience? Are you giving them the information they want to know? Like you just said, are you bringing them into your brand in a way that speaks directly to them? And if you're not, what can you, what do you need to change about your brand? What aspects do you need to change? Do you need to start completely over? Do you need to just refine? Amanda Lynn, maybe you can speak to that. Like how often do you feel like people should completely start over? Because I, I don't think you should just like I hate this saying, but like throw the baby away with the bathwater. But I don't think you should get rid of everything necessarily. But I think that there's usually, especially if there's like a legacy brand, if you've had the brand for a long time, there are components of a brand you can bring along into the new life of the brand. No, 100%. And I think if you do have one of those legacy brands, that could probably be the worst thing you could do is Mm -hmm. completely just wipe the slate clean and start over because you already have an engaged, maybe not, maybe your audience isn't engaging. That's, that's the whole point of this, but like you already have people who know you have that brand recognition. So that's a pretty risky move to throw that all away. But like we said before, like accent colors are a perfect example. Like, I don't know, tweak your icon logos, bring in some accent colors. Like there are lots of little ways like that. Switch up your imagery. There are different things that you can do to refresh and kind of do little tweaks to the brand here and there that aren't just completely overhauling everything. Okay. So I feel like I have an idea for another podcast. That's like, how do you, how do you launch your brand? Because a lot of people get their brand and then they just don't know what to do with it. And it's like, okay, I threw up a post and I said that I have a new brand, but like, what does this mean? How do I educate people on what this looks like to them? Because I I love that. Yeah. Let's do that because I would love that. I feel like I didn't know. And I I hear that from clients. Yeah, I was about to like, okay, what do I do? And is the answer you actually outsource to a marketing company and say, like, I'd like a campaign to create brand identity around this new visual? Is it that you do just post because you don't want to like spook people and you just kind of want to slowly step into the brand and maybe people won't really? notice like is it splashy is it subtle what does this look like and how does that serve your audience too so let's do a podcast on that i would love that 
I think the audience would really like that. All right, Amanda Lynn, thank you so much for your time. We always get such great feedback on episodes that you're on. So we are so glad that you joined us and thank you for contributing to this and sharing all of your wisdom. Of course. I hope it was helpful. I mean, and I hope that some of the points weren't too harsh. I think the goal is really just awareness and being aware of these different things and that awareness can help you be proactive in keeping your brand relevant and aligned. So thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Yay. Thank you for joining another TikToks episode. If you guys are loving our content, we would love and appreciate your support and feedback. So head on over to Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe so that you never miss when an episode drops. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. What can we say? We're not kidding when we tell you that we're big on transparency. That's why we've compiled a few bloopers. Whether you're laughing with us or at us, enjoy these never before heard moments. We're just going to just gonna do it we're just gonna wing it and it's gonna be awesome yeah your episodes always like slap so you know oh slap yeah i said slap that's very hip of you thank you i've heard i've learned some new terms recently oh <laughs> jen that is not a new term oh my god <laughs> so that's gonna be like mom you're embarrassing me <laughs> I'm 100% going to embarrass her daily. No, it's the fun of being a parent, isn't it? Oh my God. Yeah. Dance the dance, walk the walk. I don't know. <laughs> That's another thing that we add to our Robin. Talk the talk. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dance the dance. Wow. You know what? I would like you to dance the dance. <laughs> I, want, I want my brand to dance the dance on it rather than talk the talk. <laughs> so if you want your brand to dance the dance, Tito shoes are back in town and they're back in style, back in town. <laughs> I used to love my potato shoes in like high school, junior Wait, high. Potato like, shoes. What are you talking they're about? <laughs> like Birkenstocks? <laughs> No, the clogs that are closed-toed and they look like a potato. I think they're brown suede Birkenstocks. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, well, like Arizona, or not Arizona, the Boston They're closed-toed, the though. Clogs. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What? I thought they were always called potato shoes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> look no, like that's, a, that's a perfect example. Okay. And for somebody who's not a designer not a designer and maybe not knowing did you hear that (laughs) rowdy rowdy (laughs) (laughs) just liked it a lot one second i'll come back to that point come on psychopath he's so funny (laughs) that little baby cannot be away from his mama he He just wants to go outside We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.